Manage your oil field operations from anywhere with rigor online or offline. Whether it's scheduling and dispatching jobs, tracking employee hours, managing equipment rentals, or inspections and maintenance, you can create, review, approve, and upload all types of field tickets and agreements securely from any device. Plus, you can generate invoices same day and run powerful operation management dashboards on your desktop or phone. No paper, no errors, no headaches. Learn more at rigor.us. Link is in the show notes. Welcome to the Oil and Gas Sales and Marketing Podcast, where every week your hosts, Mark LaCour and Matt Bertram, share proven strategies and real-world tactics to help you connect with customers and close more deals. Let's do this. Hey, welcome back, everybody. If you didn't listen to our last episode, go back and listen. Uh, got a lot of great feedback from the Ruggles crew. They want us to come back. And next time we do it, we'll get the invites out way early. So you come join us in person, have a little barbecue. We got another review, Matt. This is awesome. This is from Brian Carlson. Hey, Mark, it's great to connect with you. I just left a five-star review on Spotify for your sales and marketing podcast. Solid gold, my man. I'll be at the Mixer at the end of the month and looking forward to it. Best, Brian. Well, Brian, the Mixer's actually today, <laughs> an audience. It's not going to actually be today when you hear this because this will go out the week after. But our Mixers in Houston are always the last Thursday of the month. They're always all over our social. If you want to come join us, just pay attention. And once you get on the list, we'll make sure to let you know each month when it's happening. And today's topic, Matt, is something that you brought up that I think is super valuable to our audiences, which is analytics and listening tools. So I'm going to let you take it away. You're going to let me take it away. I think (laughs) that we should just have a candid conversation because we were talking before and like, tell me what you know about analytics and listening tools and what are some of the things that you as a salesperson have used or would like to know more about or anything like that, just to kind of lay the foundation. Because I think what is valuable is we have a lot of oil and gas salespeople listening to this and are trying to understand how to connect more with marketing, how to leverage marketing more. And I think you're a good representative for them to talk about like, okay, analytics, listening tools, like how are you using it? Like, how do you think you can leverage it? What would you like to know? Maybe we just start there. Okay. So in my head, there's a difference between a social listening tool and a social measurement tool. There's a lot of tools out there. Whatever social platform you're using has built-in tools to show you activity, listens, downloads, whatever. But to me, social listening kind of gets into the heads of the people that consume your content. Not a lot, but a little bit. I've personally used several in the past. I've used a Hootsuite before, which by the way, we try to cancel it for a year, Hootsuite. We can't just seem to be able to do it. Great tool, but we moved on. Buzzsumo, Buffer. I used Buffer for a long time for Twitter. Now we're using something called Meet Edgar. And we currently use something called SimRush. And what that allows me to do from a sales point of view is see what people consume as far as our content and get a feel for what they like and what they don't like. And that allows us to create better content, more focused on those people that we think are prospects are. So at a high level, that's my knowledge of it. And that's a couple of tools we've used before. Awesome. So you talked about like automation tools, which you want to be careful. Some of these platforms based on some of the automation, it might go against their regulations, guidelines, policies, that sort of thing. So LinkedIn, especially guys, (laughs) they're trying to get away from spammers on say LinkedIn 
for example, but social posting tools or scheduling tools, super helpful, right? Like this is the age of personalization and you can kind of figure out what you're going to say when you're going to say it. You can line it out. You can schedule it out. Really works well. You can give other people access to different stuff to help manage it. There's a lot of different tools out there for there. There's like all these kind of different segments, right? My thought process was to talk about, well, two things. One was like analytics and what analytics looks like and could be used for as it relates to maybe lead generation of people coming to your website and stuff like that. And then how to actually do the research. So the social listening, go look at what's going on maybe on somebody else's site. Like now you can't go spider their site. I mean, you can, but it's maybe, you know, a little unethical, I think, but there's listening tools that can tell you what's going on out there. And you can look at target audiences. You can see competitors, what's happening, what's going on. And what I would tell you too, is I do digital marketing. I do search marketing. I do website optimization. I do some of these type of things that are really data heavy. There is a difference between an advertising agency, a branding agency, a digital marketing agency, or internet marketing service. Okay. They're very different things. And I'm on some teams for some large companies, multi-location, whatever, where I'm the digital guy. And there's like a legacy, like print TV person or billboard person, something like that. It just kind of depends on the category. And Certainly there's branding and we do a little bit of everything, but it's really data driven. Okay. And I can tell you, like, if you buy an ad in a newspaper, a billboard, a TV ad, you pick a talk, you make the ad, you submit it and it runs and whatever happens, happens. And it just is kind of like it's launched and it's gone. Right. And that that's the end of it. Right. There's also typically what I've seen. And again, I'm not putting everybody in this category, but people are basing it on their understanding of marketing, best practices, what they think is going to work for this client. That's what they do. And it either works or doesn't work. And attribution is really hard and pass around of journals and stuff like that. I've also seen a lot of journals that will go, hey, we'll give you our digital presence too. And if they're not a digital first company, there's not a lot of traffic on their website. So that's like really not valuable, even though you go to it, you look at it, you see your big logo there. Great, right? Or your article, something like that. Understanding from an analytics standpoint, if you're going to spend advertising dollars is quite important. I've seen a lot of sites and I won't name any names. I don't want to call anybody out, but there are companies in Houston. There's oil and gas, medical, other journals and stuff like that, that have literally no internet traffic. Okay. And you're spending like thousands of dollars on ad. And of course you're not going to get anything. And if you understood these analytical tools, you would know that the cost per CPM or something like that, you can better value. And you're not just guessing. It's basically like brand reputation selling. How we look at it, how I look at it is like, I make the decisions on data because Mark, I don't know why people click on ads. I have no idea why people click on ads, but guess what? People click on ads and Google's billion dollar, multi-billion dollar business because people are clicking on ads, right? There's kind of a trust factor. There's a very little overlay between people that click on ads and don't. People that click on ads typically want a coupon, want some kind of deal. You have to have some offer. You run to a landing page or emergency services, emergency plumber, emergency air conditioning in Houston, stuff like that, right? Bigger purchases, people use organic SEO. Well, same thing for advertising. If you're going to make an advertising purchase, you might want to have some knowledge about that platform, their audience, what goes on. A lot of these social platforms have a lot of this great data on segmentation, on personalization, who you can target, show the ad to the right person. I'll give you a perfect example. I'm running some ads right now. And again, 
Like I'm just setting the foundation. We'll get into it, but I'm running some ads across multiple platforms. Nextdoor is not a very robust platform. It's showing ads to just everybody on Nextdoor in set of zip codes. Like that's it. That's the only option I give. Cost per CPM, so per thousand, things like forty three bucks or something. I don't know. It's crazy. I can't remember the exact number. And you know, I'm spending like a hundred bucks a day or something like that. And it, I think I got like seventeen clicks in a week. Okay. Compare that to some of these other more advanced platforms like Google, Facebook, most built out. Don't love Facebook. There's other platforms, TikTok, Snapchat. Snapchat's doing really, really well. Pinterest, you can segment out audience size, if they own a house, what they're interested in, all that kind of stuff. And you can provide really personalized targeted to show them that. So if you look at a billboard, right? Oh, everybody driving by sees that billboard, right? Like, so what's the rate that you're going to hit your customer? Well, why don't you spend your ad dollars to get right in front of the right person consistently? Boom, boom, boom. You're going to have a lower cost per CPM because you're going to just spend the dollars to reach those right people. And you're going to have a lower cost per transaction, per conversion rate or whatever your KPIs are because you're just targeting the right people. And also if you see an ad for something that you're not interested in, right? Like imagine like watching it on TV, whatever. It's just like spam. Like you're like, I don't want to watch that. But if you're interested and you're a potential buyer, you're in the market, Hey, it's just like recruiters. I used to be a recruiter, Mark. Recruiters are your best friend when you're looking for a job. When you're not looking for a job, they're like, get away from me, right? Like if there is a way to kind of segment that. So that's one thing to like look at the difference between data. So think about a website, okay, Mark? Think about a website that you're working at, maybe a big company. Wouldn't it be cool to know who is coming to your website from what companies maybe? There's actually even tools out there from a content standpoint I can tell you there's one of the major service companies that I subscribe to a network of a ton of different kind of content blogs that are all part of a network. I know somebody from one of the major service companies, this was months back, was interested in cryptocurrency. They're reading multiple articles about blockchain and cryptocurrency from a particular service company. And actually they had registered at one point. So I knew exactly who that person was. Okay. So think about this. I can see part of a network, a target customer that is interested in a specific topic that I might be selling to. So they're like a warm, active lead that hasn't raised their hand yet, but you know, based on their behavior, Hey, if I call them, they're probably interested. Hey, Mark, there's somebody that's searching all about podcasts, all about podcasts, they're reading articles about podcasts online. They're looking at, and I could give you the name of that person, or I could give you a lot of hits from that company. Would that be valuable? That'd be tremendously valued. And I do want to back you up a little bit because you are right that a lot of money in oil and gas is spent on traditional advertising where literally once that advert goes out, it's luck. It goes into a black hole. You have no data coming back to your billboard example or even your magazine unless you put some type of code in there that people have to use. You literally have no idea who's taking action on it. And everything you're talking about now is what allows salespeople to justify the amount of money marketing spending to drive them qualified leads because you're getting highly qualified leads that close deals. Unlike a billboard ad, which if you get anything from that at all, it's going to be all over the place. And that's when you have the salespeople complaining about the quality of the leads and the marketing team complaining about the salespeople not closing anything. It's because it's not the right leads. What you're talking about is being able to figure out who it is, whether they're prospects, and then convert those in a way that's very cost-effective. So what you're talking about, and this is what a lot of, yes, oil companies are still doing, and there's a reason to do it, right? After the BP oil spill and your BP, 
you're trying to create brand recognition to actually downstream consumers, maybe investors, I don't know, to say like, please buy our oil at our gas tanks, right? And you're trying, and everybody has a car, right? Or most people in Houston, at least, right? If you're buying a billboard or you're running a TV ad, there's not a ton of public transportation here, but you have a car, you're going to buy gas, right? So you're mass marketing everybody that. If everybody needed a toaster and you're selling toasters, mass marketing works great, okay? If you're trying to do B2B sales or you're trying to do something in particular, you know, it's like, I'm going to take care of this anthill over here in my backyard with the bazooka, okay? Like that's how, not as much anymore, I guess, since COVID people have started to up their game, but people are still wasting a massive amount of money. No, people are still doing that in oil and gas, still just broad-based traditional PR type marketing, and it's not cost-effective. And quite frankly, you have no data to support your spend. It's still going on. I see it every day. Well, in these companies, I would just tell you what I see is they have huge moats and they can move really slowly. And they're actually riding on the laurels of the brand and the trust they built. Like even a lot of these big banks, it's kind of same thing. You could move the needle or move down the field, whatever analogy you want to use so much further if you started investing in digital. And it doesn't mean you have to build a whole internal team. A lot of teams have like a generalist, but you want to have a partner, whether it be a consultant, whether it be an agency that really knows what you're doing. I mean, there's an analogy, I forget who said it, it's like, I spend whatever on marketing and I don't know which half works or something like that. But it was true. Now, the thing that you're looking for to kind of bring this back in is attribution, Okay. Understanding that customer journey and attribution is super important because guess what? Matt, explain what attribution is in case the audience doesn't know. Yeah. And I'll give you a quick example of that too, of how it could be misleading. So attribution is what's getting credit for whatever action you want someone to take or a goal that you set up. Okay. What leads to a conversion? Here's the interesting thing. You're running a bunch of ads. Okay. You're running a bunch of ads a bunch of different campaigns. They're targeted, like everything's going great, whatever. And you're also running a campaign targeted on your name. Okay. And there's reasons for that. And we can go down that rabbit hole if you want, but you're running ads on your name. Okay. And your name has a much higher conversion rate than going after maybe a broader commercial industry topic. Okay. Why would that be Mark? If people are searching for your name, have a higher conversion rate then if you're going after like a bigger category that's unbranded, why would that be? Just what's your thoughts? Uh, that's a damn good question because you have that long-term organic brand recognition of your name. And so regardless of what you're searching for as prospects, other people are searching to learn about your company. And is that- So if that has a higher conversion rate and it's last click attribution, right? They converted on their name. Should I dump all my money into running it on my brand? Because no. it has a higher conversion rate. Right. It has a higher conversion rate, but it's not attracting prospects. You're having everything from investors to competitors to high school kids doing school projects. All of them are searching for that and coming and hitting your name. Doesn't mean they're necessary prospects or buyers. So you're harvesting, right? The demand that was created. Okay. So when you're looking at an attribution model, you could have first click attribution. So a lot of people convert first time, right? Direct response marketing, boom, click on it, go here, buy, fill out a form, whatever, done. First click attribution, great. Last click attribution, most people searching online before they make a purchase, if they're using organic search, which is search engine optimization, SEO, is what you want to do is they're going to the site multiple times. Like a lot of times, either you convert the first day 
or you convert like day 10 or whatever your sales cycle is. And people have gone there like 13 times. Like they've checked it out. They've looked at, they've looked at, they've looked at it. Well, guess what? Maybe the last time they searched for your name because they've narrowed it down to they're going to use you or this other person, they search your name. And then they click on the ad that takes you to your name. That's last click attribution. So then you're saying, hey, because I bid on my name, that campaign's actually better than the campaign that's generating demand. So you see how you got to value this differently. I mean, there's reasons to run your name. I'll give you one example. Competitors bid on your name. Okay. Competitors do it all the time. If you have a really good- We have it done to us. If you search for Google for oil and gas global network, you'll see other people paying to rank for our name. And now it can cause problems. Like if you're a doctor's office, you're bidding on somebody else and someone's calling for an appointment, you're paying for a click and then they're calling and they're like, hey, like whatever, they didn't look at it. And then you blow that and now you got to have good people on the phone that can convert if that's your strategy. But okay, going back to attribution, there's first click, there's last click. What a lot of people use is like multi-click. So you're given basically a different weighting across a variety of different marketing sources and everything's giving a little bit of a multiplier effect and you're trying to amplify your brand presence or the mind share because people are seeing so many ads. So you want to be kind of everywhere. You want to increase that frequency and then multi-click attribution conversion, all these things combined converts it. And then there might be different weightings. Well, understanding how people are searching online and finding you and maybe generating prospects because that leads to the phone call or providing that air cover, right? When again, you're talking account-based marketing, B2B, like people got to know who you are. If you're unknown, like it's going to be hard competing against somebody that's known. But guess what? If you can figure out who your prospects are and then create like a bubble around that person. Like, you know, the cartoons where there's a rainstorm, (laughs) right? And the rain is just falling like one person, like everywhere they go. I think it was like Charlie Brown and stuff like that. You can do that with ads. You can just be around, like you're on their LinkedIn. You're coming up in their Facebook. They come to your site. You're chasing them around Google with retargeting. You know, they're on YouTube, like they're in market. So This is super valuable because you can target that prospect and you can really hit that prospect from multiple angles. And then the salesperson calls and they're just like, they're already familiar with their brand. Maybe you've been able to share some of the message. A lot of the sales heavy lifting is being handed over to marketing to a degree. I mean, there's certainly technical questions and long form stuff, but also that's where you provide uh, YouTube references. Hey, here's a video answering this long form question. Here's a panel discussion that we put online. You had put together the API panel discussion, streamed live, I'm sure it's up on the internet somewhere, right? Like someone can go look at that long form content. So a lot of this is being handed over to marketing, some of the heavy lifting on selling. And now you're like, hey, do I trust this person that's going to deal with me? Are they going to take care of me? Do they know their stuff? Do they know what I need? Can they help me professionally help me buy whatever it is I need? But the marketing is sharing that message. I mean, we have a couple clients right now that we're trying to tell a story through long form content to help penetrate the market, to get the conversation going in that particular direction. So we're talking about analytics, like GA4, actually GA4, Google Analytics 4. I don't like it. Okay. It just came out. They basically said the old analytics, they don't want to give you that data. They really want you to pay for data and that's free. So there's a lot of, I guess, paid analytical tools like Adobe Analytics and there's like heat mapping tools. There's like Microsoft Clarity. There's all these sub segments here. Like, so heat mapping, what people are doing when they go to the website, All these things are helping give you information about your buyer and who's coming to your website. 
And that could be a segment on its own. And I put that, all that kind of stuff in one segment. We can go down that path if you want. And then the other segment here is like that research base and like what's going on in social media and what are the competitors doing? And it's a listening tool to figure out how to get more signals and insights to maybe incorporate that into your strategy or what you're doing. So I kind of look at like what's coming in and search console is really good. So if you're a salesperson, figure out what people are searching for that are finding your website. And if you've got a good online digital presence, that's going to give you insights. Also problems people have, questions people also ask. Google, you could even go to Google, like low tech way, go to Google, type in people also ask whatever it is, figure out what those questions are, figure out if you have a good answer to that objection or that question or a good sales piece, right? Then circle back with your market team, say, Hey, I need to tell this story better. I need some graphs. I need some testimonials. I need whatever, but you get a lot of insights. There's some really interesting books out there about search, even uh, Google search trends. You can see what people are searching. And then again, that's bleeding over into the listening tools, right? So I'll kind of pause there and get your take on some of this, Mark. I love all this. And I'm actually glad you mentioned Google, what used to be called Google Webmaster Tools. If you're a salesperson, your marketing team needs to be using Google Analytics on your website. I think it's just like a little bit of code you just need to drop in one time because I literally can go to my old business modal point and I can see to this day what people are searching for and what brings them to modal point. Some of it is stuff that you would never expect. 10 years ago, I put up a PDF about, I think, the top oil-filled service companies. I told you I found that. I found that the other day. Yeah. And people are still finding that, searching that, and it's bringing them to modal point. So as a salesperson, for modal point, I now know for a fact that people that are coming to modal point are finding me through a list of companies that are useful to them. So what I could do if I wanted to is I could actually put up some new content out there showing how this list of companies could help you build a prospect list. And once you build a prospect list, modal point could help you with the messaging and the outreach and people would convert because they would find it through the list then they would see that we offered additional services and a percentage of them would go ahead and click and have a conversation with us. So from a sales point of view, you really need to dig in that. And it's actually really easy to understand. Google does a very good job of laying it all out. So it's easy to understand what traffic is organic, what traffic's not organic, what long-term search terms people are using, what short keywords they're using to find you. And all that stuff just helps you figure out who's coming to your website so that number one, if you're doing the right things and you're attracting prospects, you know it, but probably more important from a sales point of view, if you're attracting people that aren't prospects, you know that as well. And you can quit doing that behavior. That's something, Matt, I did with Modal Point in the very beginning is I got too caught up in activity. So the people to go, yeah, this is great. I would build more content to encourage those people to find me. What I didn't realize is those people couldn't afford me. So I accidentally built this enormous audience of people that love my content, but could never do business with me. And once I figured that out, I redid my strategy and only started putting content out that appealed to the people that signed contracts with me. So then I ended up building a much smaller audience, but a higher percentage of them did business with me. So stuff like that is all there for your taking if you use the right analytic tools. I geek out on this stuff, Mark, and I have a, another pretty big podcast is like top 10 in digital marketing called the unknown secrets of internet marketing, bestseopodcast.com. And I geek out on this stuff. There's like four kinds of searches, Mark. There's four kinds of major classifier searches based on the algorithm. There's informational. Okay. There's transactional, there's navigational, and then there's commercial. You want to understand where they are, what your target prospect is. Like basically it's like bait. Like where do you want to go fishing? 
Who are you going after and what's the bait you're going to use to get them? And to your point, not everybody that's interested is who you want. Like I've found too, we start getting all these leads and I was like, why are we getting these leads? Track it down. Well, it's this content I created and it's not necessarily what I want. So I need to rework that because I'm catching fish with the wrong bait that I don't want, right? Or whatever. And starting to tweak that. Well, if you're a salesperson, this is a big machine. You're the left hand, right hand, or maybe you want to say you're the head, but you don't know what one of your hands is doing. Like you want to have your eyes. Analytics are your eyes. You get to see what is happening and understand how it's all connected. And Google is trying to map everything that's going on in the real world. Your online presence is becoming more and more important every day. So understanding what people are doing, how they're interacting with your brand, Google knows that. They know syntax. They know, okay, if people are leaving reviews, not just by the stars, what are the modifier words? What words kind of follow other words? Like there's certain things that they rate the different modifiers, like it's actually a math problem. And they figure out, well, if they say this and they bundle it with this, that probably means this, right? Like I geek out on all this stuff, but analytics is your eyes. It's so important. You need to understand your brand and what marketing is trying to do is generate new prospects for you. And it's not just the 3% of people that are ready to buy now. Salespeople harvest, right? They call. There's the demand out there and they harvest the demand, right? If you need to generate demand and you need to build a pipeline, building a pipeline, you know, Mark, takes a long time. Like you need to cultivate. And that's what marketing is doing. It's planting the seeds. It's starting the conversation. It's getting your name out there and people familiar with you. It's being involved online. Like there's multiple facets to it, but these are the roads that lead to your business as Rome, like all these roads. And you want to start raising your digital presence. So, okay. So let's talk about listening tools. Okay. You said a few of them. BuzzSumo was one of them that you said. I mean, Twitter is a digital listening tool. I like... Sprout Social. I use Sprout Social. Tell me what you know about listening tools. Let's go down that road. So listening tools allow me to see how people interact with the content that we put out there, what they like, what they don't like. And it allows you to steer, if you're using content as a marketing tool, content marketing allows you to steer the content and tweak it and get it really close, if not perfect. Same way with if you're tracking the long tail key phrases or keywords, you can see how you rank especially gets competitors. You can say what your competitors are listening out there. And all that's super useful, especially the competitive part. Because even though you have a competitor, I promise you that you probably do something better than they do, and they probably do something better than you do. So from a marketing point of view, especially if you're using content, you want to emphasize the stuff that you do better, and you can actually see it if you're using the right tools, that you're getting the right results. So another thing, I was looking at my notes while you were talking, you were keying in on some things. I want to talk about visualization. That's the last part, Mark. So we talk about competitive tools and then visualization. You also mentioned SEM Rush. So SEM Rush, Ahrefs, SpyFu, they've all sponsored my other podcast. That is the core of what you're doing. Building a strategy, looking at the analytics, and then making decisions based upon that. And then putting all that data together in a visualization, right? And there's a lot of people actually that marketing could recruit that are great at spreadsheets and pulling data together and engineers. Yeah, Excel's at- a great tool that you can automate a lot of stuff if you want to spend the time to build the tool out. There's also a bunch of tools that are in real time, give you that interface. Yeah. Well, and they build their own little spiders that can like, I can tell you, Mark, I can look 
at a competitor website. And if they're using online to sell, like that's the caveat, because if there's not any footprints to look at, I can't see what they're doing. If they're an e-commerce company, if they're generating leads online, whatever, I can see exactly what they're doing, how they're doing it, and typically come up with a strategy to reverse engineer it and to one-up it. Okay. And a lot of what we do too, outside of the competitive research is finding honey holes. And digital is a great way to find honey holes and a honey holes. Basically, no one knows that this is a great little niche or a little area that needs to be serviced, but you only see that in big analytic data of what a problem is somebody has or someone dealing with that or an industry that's on the rise that's using the technology that you didn't see from a trend standpoint. The competitor research is what people want to see. And interestingly enough, a lot of companies I work with, they tell me who their competitor is. Like, these are my competitor, this is my competitor. I say, that is your competitor in your eyes. But if we're talking about digital marketing, that is not your competitor online. Market segmentation. So you break it apart into the competitor research and certainly that's hot and we can go down that rabbit hole if you want of like what you can see, what you can't see and anything that's done online, you can see. And you got to remember also anything that you do online is never really gone. Okay. I mean, maybe there's some like also Snapchat, you know, a subpoena, all that comes out. Okay. There's actually other tools that you can use that are actually really encrypted and that disappear. A lot of political stuff use this kind of stuff actually, but anything that happens online and algorithms never forget, like it's there. Anything that happens online is kind of always there. The history's there. This is where blockchain, social tokens, like kind of scary stuff, but everything's being tracked online. Everything's being documented online. Anything that you post on Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever, they all own it. By the way, if you look at the terms of use, certainly things to understand. Matt, we need to start winding the show down. Okay. All right. Last piece then. Last piece, and certainly we can talk about some of this other stuff later, is the visualization component. Okay. And we talked a little bit about heat mapping, where people are clicking on the website. This just goes in the UX, what the session is, what's happening, trying to understand what's going on in the prospect's mind. Because also you're generating sales. You want to drive them to the website and then drop that Plinko ball and kind of see what happens. And so also using the website as a sales piece for your people. Hey, like go to this website. Here's some FAQs. Here's some different stuff like that. And a lot of these tools have segmentation data of who their audience is, what their audience does. And you see how it kind of completes the loop. The best thing is to see trend lines, comparing data seasonally, last year, this year, three month rolling, month to month, week to week, whatever you want to do, however you want to chop it up and then visualizing it, right? Also, it's really easy to see spam and all that kind of stuff because it's a huge outlier when they're aggregating data, but the pie charts, the visualization, the bar graphs, like all these different things. And you can do all this stuff in Excel. You can export all this stuff, put it in Excel, but these tools that put together these visualizations to tell a story, especially if you're in sales, investor data, like all this kind of stuff, if you into stocks or financials, visualization is so important and telling that story is so important. And you can take the data and put it into that format to be able to share that. So I'll just kind of stop there, I guess. But there's so much here. This is such an exciting area to talk about for me. Yeah. And people, if you want to go deeper, this reach out to Matt directly. He is literally one of the world's experts at this. All right. Next week, our topics could be keyword research and how to rank in Google, which we talked about a little bit of that today. So just know I that's wonder coming. who gave that topic. I wonder. <laughs> well, it wasn't me, so it had to be you. <laughs> and then we spoke about this before. We have a 
new Sunday update. We put it in your inbox each Sunday. Yeah. It's free. You get to see behind the scenes with your favorite OGGN podcasters, some really funny stuff, industry insights, and some data. Speaking of data, that will help you with your work week, discounts on all kinds of stuff. And Matt, we even have oil-filled recipes now. So I found a company whose family for 100 years has been catering to the oil and gas industry. Wow. And they're going to share their family recipes. So one recipe a week. So the Sunday update, go sign up for it. The link's in the show notes. Behind the scenes, humor, data to help you with your work week and the ability to cook real oil-filled food that's actually delicious. Also, our oil and gas events newsletter is also there. That link is in the show notes. Matt and I's social links are in the show notes. Our insiders group, we're still working on launching that the first quarter of next year. And then it's time for the LinkedIn tip or fail of the week. We are already working on the modules. Mark's pushing me to get the website done. I'm just backed up a little bit and it will happen and it will happen this next quarter, Mark. So we will have the website up and running soon. I just got to get through a few more things with my team and we'll get that built. So guys, that is my fault. It's not Mark's fault. We're already working on the content. We've already kind of started to put some stuff together. We just need to get it up there. And he's been waiting on me for that. So I'll take that one, Mark. You don't need to keep pushing it. We'll get it done. But you know what? I would rather wait and do it right because this is going to be an exclusive community for oil and gas and energy sales and marketing professionals to learn from their peers and a network. There's nothing else like this on the planet. So we're going to wait and do it right. It's time for our LinkedIn tip or fail. And I'm going to actually do a tip, Matt, which you made me think of for the subject of this podcast. In that, if you have a LinkedIn page, you can go in there and you can actually load in your competitors, say who your competitors are, and it will track the metrics that your competitors are generating on LinkedIn next to yours. And you what? get these really good. You didn't know I that? I do not know this. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. my gosh. I wish I could do a screenshot. I do not know that. I can't believe this. I don't know this. Yeah. So go to your page. You have to be one of the administrators. Click on analytics and I can look at my competitors, what they're doing, total followers, how many new followers they have and how many engagements, how many posts they've done. I can look at employee advocacy so I can see what their employees are pushing out that work at that place. Is this a new paid tool? No, this has been here forever. Just nobody knows it's here. I can actually look at their followers. I can look at their visitors. I can even look at their content. Now, this is not a LinkedIn group. This has to be a page, your business page. And you literally go in and click on analytics and all this information is there. Now, for the competitors, you have to load your competitors in the first time. And the reason Matt's being quiet right now, he's frantically looking at his LinkedIn page to see what I'm talking about. Well, no, about. it's making me verify my email. <laughs> this is like, I haven't been on our business page page because somebody else manages this. Like, I just but it's just a great free tool. Now, it doesn't get as deep as a lot of the tools that Matt talked about on this episode, but at a high level, it's a quick way to glance and see how you're doing. And not just with your competitors, but you know, in our case, Matt and I are pushing the OGG employees to start posting more stuff for OGGN. And I can see when they're doing it and when they're not. And let me tell you, when you get your employees to post content, it makes a huge difference in driving followers to your page and to your business. So not just your marketing team pushing content out on LinkedIn, but get your employees to push stuff out. Major, major difference. And it's free, free work. Listening tools, guys. This is like super important to understand what's going on. Like everybody wants to just generally know that and see that. But the more you understand this, the more you can apply it and take action and get a competitive advantage. All right, let's get out of here. Remember, make a difference and not a sale. Check us out next week for another enriching and cheeky episode of Oil and Gas Sales and Marketing Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.